I've been having a lingering fear that in 2024 or 2028, Kamala Harris is going to be president. And Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez will be her vice president. And in the name of reforming America away from being a white nationalist patriarchy, I'm afraid that they're going to round up all the straight white men and incarcerate us in forced labor camps. And I am afraid because I'm pretty sure I would love it. I would love it if sexy, intelligent, powerful brown girls kept me prisoner and made me break rocks all day. Making big rocks into little rocks and little rocks into gravel. And then that gravel is sold to China for huge profits as part of the American prison industrial complex, which is what Kamala's whole career is based on. She'd be real good at making that happen. It'll kind of be like the equivalent of uh, Trump's arms deal to the UAE and Saudi, except it'll be the products of menial prison labor sold to China. So some night in the next decade, I'm going to be sleeping in my bed, pleasantly exhausted from a long, productive day of supporting the patriarchy, and then some sexy, camo-wearing, jack-booted, 11th-wave paramilitary feminists are going to kick down my door, shoot my dog, and haul me off to a kangaroo court. And then it's going to be me and a couple hundred other white dudes at a trial. And Judge Sotomayor will find us all guilty of piece of shit, straight white maleness in the third degree. Which means that I am a piece of shit, but I didn't willfully and maliciously choose to be a piece of shit. That would be first degree, straight white maleness. I'm just a regular Joe Blow piece of shit who benefited from colonialism and white male supremacy. Or at least they had no evidence come before the court that would implicate me in actively working to grow and promote the patriarchy. So effectively, we're all judged to be insane and we're given a choice. Insane in that we couldn't help being straight white males. We'll get, we're guilty, but not with malicious intent. Kind of like being judged disabled or insane by the court. Um, and so the state has to take custody of us. They can't just have us running around free. But we get a choice. We can submit to gender reassignment therapy and surgery and become women, or we can remain as men and undergo psychological treatment and re-education so that we can be productive citizens in the new matriarchal oligarchy. And if we would choose to remain men, once we're deemed of toxic ideas and behaviors, we will then be pardoned and transferred to a white male adoption center where women can go to adopt a husband. 
It's pretty much like a like a pit bull rescue center, but for white dudes. And in fact, some women come looking for a husband, and if they don't find a man they like, they go home with a new dog instead. It's a win-win. A surprising number of white dudes choose the first option to transition to women. Uh, Maybe it's the toxic masculinity in me, but I'm still emotionally attached to my penis, so I opt to go to the camps. Plus, I went to basic training in the Army, so I kind of have an idea what the camp is going to be like. So we're all loaded into cattle trucks with all the other white dudes. And as we're leaving for the camps, I see another trial of hundreds of white guys just starting. I get the feeling that these are happening all over the country. The camp is only a few hours away, so I assume I've been taken to Virginia or Maryland. Uh, It's early the next morning before the sun has risen. And other than a few Dixie cups of water, none of us have had anything to eat or drink for 24 hours. I'm pretty addicted to coffee at this, and at this point, I've got a raging migraine from caffeine withdrawal. The trucks roll up to the camp and we're ushered out. And about a dozen fat, matronly Aunt Lydia types line me and 200 other white dudes up outside. They make us all strip naked in the crisp morning air. And they spray us all down with freezing water. Then the warden and her senior staff of the labor camp, wearing Soviet Nazi-inspired uniforms with thigh-high boots and riding crops, they pass through the ranks of naked, flabby white dudes like drill sergeants, stopping occasionally to make disparaging remarks about our penises. Then we're issued cocky pajamas and leg irons, and sent out to the quarry to break rock. And that's how every day starts in my new life. We're roused out of our cots, lined up naked outside for morning information, sprayed down with cold water, and we have our penises made fun of for an hour or so. It's a little morning ritual. Shit like, why did they even send you here? You're not a man. Implying that, you know, we were women. Which I find ironic in the new matriarchy. Shaming someone for not being a man. Not everyone knows how the new rules are supposed to work. Women included. We all have a lot of baggage from the patriarchy we're trying to get over. Men aren't the only ones. I've also heard... uh Why didn't you take the transition? There's barely anything to cut off. And how did you manage to rule the world with that adorable little thing? None of these are really addressed to me. Mostly to people around me. And occasionally some might be witty. And it's hard not to chuckle. Because if you laugh, you're getting a a baton to the knees. But ever since that first morning they lined us up, a, a Bangladeshi or a Venezuelan lieutenant stopped by me. And she berates me and hits me with her baton. She says, 
my penis is prettier than everyone else's, and I need to be punished for not complying with the regulations on penis equity, which states that all penises must be equally unattractive because America is no longer a white nationalist patriarchy. America is no longer a pissing contest playground for swinging dicks. Now, America is a brown utopian monarch matriarchy. And there can be no penis envy in paradise. And I must report to her office after my 18-hour shift of making big rocks into little rocks and little rocks into gravel. And I must answer and accept punishments for my insubordination. Answering for my insubordination mostly entails going down on her for a while and then fucking her for a while and I'm not allowed to have an orgasm. And then she cries for a bit and complains about her husband and her mother-in-law. She complains her husband is getting fat. Also, he's cheating on her with a bunch of white women. Since all straight white men have been removed from the general population, there's a serious shortage of men to go around out in the world. All the white dudes are either in camps or transitioning to women, and a lot of white women are trying to get knocked up by men of color so that they can have a child of color. Since now, children have more opportunities if they're not white boys, specifically. And especially they'll have more opportunities if you have a mixed-race girl. Basically, if any girl who's not all white, she's getting ahead in the world. A white mother of a non-white daughter has more benefits and social status than a white mother of a white girl, or God forbid, a white son. And because of all this, all the men of color, who on paper have been prohibited from occupying positions of power because they're men, otherwise, they've kept all their other freedoms. They're like roosters in the hen house. Men of color are a hot commodity out in the world. And I feel bad for Vyaka. Vyaka is the uh, Bengali lieutenant who's punishing me. I've decided she's Bengali. That just sounds sexier to me right now. Maybe tomorrow she'll be Venezuelan. I think for uh, Vyaka and a lot of other women, the glorious revolution of the matriarchy is turning out not to be quite what she imagined. There's a lot of unintended consequences. Like with her mother-in-law. Her mother-in-law is old school, old world South Asian. And her son, Fiaka's husband, is her little prince. She doesn't understand 11th wave feminism. She still treats her son like he's king of the patriarchy. While Fiaka is struggling to assert her relatively new state-sanctioned dominance at home. It sounds tough. Thankfully, all of the problems from my previous life have kind of disappeared. I don't really have annoying first-world problems anymore. My career? Over. Student loans? Done. Mortgage on the house? My house was seized by the state and given to two Haitian lesbians. They got to pay the mortgage now. All I really have to worry about anymore 
is the rock in front of me and making sure Viaka gets off three or four times when she calls, whenever she calls me to her office. And I figured out how to make that happen by the third or fourth time. You know, she may be my first Desi, but it's hardly my first vagina. I don't know if I'm allowed to say Desi. Uh, maybe I should ask Viaka. It might be like the N-word, like she can say it, but I can't kind of thing. I'm going to ask her. I hope she gets mad and then decides I need extra punishment, you know? Finally, around 5 p.m. that first day, we were given our first meal. And then we eat twice a day, breakfast and dinner. Every meal is beyond beef veggie burgers with cauliflower buns. Because supposedly the phytoestrogens and the soy will help get rid of our toxic masculinity. But it turns out the phytoestrogens actually cause the body to produce more testosterone to counteract the estrogen. So all the men forced into hard labor just get stronger and more healthy. And because toxic masculinity is actually caused by testosterone levels being too low... A high-level meeting among all the women in power to debate switching the prisoners' rations to dry oatmeal and water takes place. But a consensus is unable to be reached because it would require the women in charge admitting they were wrong. So instead, they declare science is wrong and can't be trusted because it was created by white male colonialists. Also, removing veggie burgers from the menu would demonize a plant-based lifestyle, and then the women in power would lose support from the vegan lobby. And the vegan lobby really helped put them in power in the first place, so they can't afford to piss them off. The vegan lobby is the new big oil. The matriarchy revolution was originally organized by black and Jewish women. But because of internal conflicts concerning the support of Israel by the Jewish women and the support of Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam by the black women, they really couldn't get a lot done together. So the revolutionary leadership was usurped by Asian tiger moms who don't give a shit about which group of round eyes think they're entitled to which shithole country and firmly believe that the more people suffer, the better they will play the violin. Since Asian tiger moms have taken charge, a lot more shit has gotten done. White women were also arrested and put on trial and found guilty of being accomplices to white men. But instead of being incarcerated, they were allowed to resume their former lives. Except for the rest of their lives, they now have to pay a 75% income tax as reparations. Initially, most white women fell all over themselves in their willingness and eagerness to absolve themselves of their privilege. But pretty soon, there's a lot of bitching about it on Facebook and Twitter using uh, fake handles, pseudonyms. Meanwhile, in the camp, it's pretty great. There's lots of fresh air and exercise. Most everyone is pretty chill. 
but we're not breaking rocks, we're playing chess or doing yoga. Mostly, we're all just glad to step back and let someone else be in charge. A few guys are pissed. They're pacing around, moaning about the shit they had taken from them. Trump is there. Trump is trying to bully and flatter his way to being in charge. But the rest of us are like, in charge of what? The laundry room? Eventually, we all just get tired of his ass, and one night we hold both ends of his blanket over him so he's pinned in his cot, and then we beat the shit out of him with bars of soap in our socks. Just a good old-fashioned private pile soap party, you know? Mark Zuckerberg and Jack Dorsey are also here, and they fucking hate each other. A lot of guys don't like them since neither of them are really that good at breaking rock. But uh, they're both pretty good at chess, so I don't mind having them around. It's not like we're ever going to finish breaking all the rocks, so what's the rush? Who cares who breaks more rock in a day? Some guys are fucking idiots. Most of us, I would say, don't really deserve to be here in the camps, but some definitely, definitely do. Some because of their actions, and some do just because they're fucking tools, you know? Sunday is laundry day, and also public punishment day. Last Sunday, someone got 20 lashes. He was charged with a nonverbal microaggression. Specifically, that means he was accused of checking out a guard's ass. He maintains his innocence, and I believe him because he is clearly gay. He can't use that as an argument for his defense because the matriarchy has made male homosexuality illegal because under the matriarchy, men are not allowed to be happy without women. It's just not allowed. But... It doesn't really matter whether he was guilty or not, because it's all a show to demonstrate the control and power of the system. I'm sure my time at the post will come eventually. So far, all my punishment has been private, but uh, they'll always find an excuse to give everybody lashes. Hopefully, I'll be able to muster a little bit more dignity. And... uh, I guess for a re-education camp, there's not a whole lot of educating going on. Just a constant barrage of propaganda. Every morning, we do a Pledge of Atonement to the Matriarchy, which is uh, pretty much the Pledge of Allegiance with a couple words changed. Uh, There's lots of anti-white and anti-male and anti-white male posters everywhere, which are pretty derivative of like the old school World War II anti-Japanese propaganda, except instead of evil squinty-eyed men with buck teeth, it's fat old white dudes with tiny cocks with a cigar in one hand and a squash racket in the other. Also, Uncle Sam is now Aunt Samantha, and she's kind of a sexy hybrid between a corporate Black Panther Wonder Woman and a kind of yoga earth mother. It's clearly Kamala Harris's idealized fantasy version of herself. Uh, And I love it. 
I love those posters because Aunt Samantha is smoking hot. After Sunday Punishment, we have small group therapy sessions led by the camp counselors who belong to the Matriarchy's Militarized Department of Woo Woo. There's essential oils and healing crystals and vagina candles. And we're aggressively required to confess all of our toxic transgressions. It's kind of, I guess, like a Catholic confessional. Group Catholic. Maybe it's like an AA meeting. I've never done any of these things, so... Maybe that's where they got the idea. Um, also, it's kind of the place where if you don't have a story of how you wronged a woman, then you just have to make one up. So once once you get past, you know, whatever, two or three girlfriends you might have been a little shitty to and you're late teens, early 20s, like once that's over, you don't get to say I don't have anymore. You just have to make up more stories of you being a toxic piece of shit. Lately, uh, we're required to attend honest discussions about race and gender as well, which is essentially a room full of white dudes getting yelled at by brown girls. Which is not much different from the rest of our days. It's pretty much our whole week, but at least for this particular session, we get to sit down for a couple of hours. There's also been some rumors going around the camp about them instituting forced castration, but I think the matriarchy's worried that will lead to an increase in suicide, which is kind of high in the camp. Some dudes are not doing that great. And the warden has been getting a lot of flack from AOC about the already high suicide rate. Uh, in the matriarchy, matriarchy doesn't want men to kill themselves. Like, their official the, the company line, I guess, is they want to teach you to be better. And if you kill yourself, they can't teach you shit. Some guys talk about killing themselves because they see it as like a victory. Like somehow they're going to beat the system. And maybe it is, but it's definitely a Pyrrhic victory. It's also an act of fear, you know, like fear that the matriarchy can succeed in brainwashing you. Maybe also fear that you actually might become a better person, which is scary. Maybe scarier than death. Most people are afraid of becoming a better person. Becoming a better person requires you to also become a different person. That's why so few people actually lose weight and keep it off. Why so few people quit drinking or gambling or get their finances under control. Because in order to be better... You have to be willing to fundamentally change who you are as a person. And compared to that, death is easy. Death requires little to no effort. And once you die, you never have to change again. 
And in this new era of identity politics, what most of us, black, white, brown, girl, boy, in between, what most of us never consider is this. Is my identity really that special? Is my identity worth fighting for? Is this sense of self that defines my reality, the lens through which I see and interact with the world, actually worth preserving? Does the person that I think I am contribute something unequivocal to the universe? And the answer is, hell no. Hell fucking no. For two reasons. One, the universe doesn't care. It doesn't give a shit about you or who you think you are. And two, who you think you are doesn't exist. We are not the people we think we are. We are not the amazing witty, charmingly flawed, but misunderstood heroes and heroines we think of ourselves as. You are not the emotionally intelligent, but bad at math, kind to animals, care about the homeless, intellectual you think you are. You are not the tough but fair, suffer no fools, see through all the liberal bullshit, call it like you see it, patriot, you tell yourself you are. Our identity, our identities are the fiction we create for ourselves to excuse our own perceived failures. What's my identity? I'm in this camp because I'm a straight white man. That's supposed to be my identity. But what is straight? What is straight? An old laying joke I grew up with was, you can fuck a thousand women, but if you suck one cock, you're gay. I still think of that joke because it's deceptively brilliant. It was always told by some closeted gay homophobe, but it really captured the essence of how we thought about identity 20 or even 10 years ago. Identity was based on actions and how other people perceive those actions. Now, I guess our identities are whatever we tell everybody else they are, regardless of the consequences of our actions. 20 years ago, if everyone else thought I was gay, I was gay. Now, I could never have a gay experience and just say I'm gay. And people have to treat me as if I'm gay. What is white? Is it just a skin color? Because technically, I'm pink. I'm not white. Is white a culture? Which culture? There's lots of subcultures and what we would consider white people. What is a man? Is it just having a penis or something more?
In the army, an idiot I worked with told me, if you don't drive a truck, you're not a man. Because I drove an Altima at the time. Meanwhile, we both jumped out of planes and blew shit up for a living. So I laughed in his face. And then I asked what his truck fetish was compensating for. If I jump out of a plane, blow shit up for a living, but I drive an Altima to and from work, I'm not a man? A year later, that guy divorced his hot, successful pharmacist wife so he could marry an unemployed mother of four. Is that a man? I suspect he couldn't take his wife being more successful than he was, so he had to get a less successful wife. I also suspect he was compensating for something. There's also another rumor in the camp that China has stopped importing all the gravel we're producing because there's a growing human rights movement in China protesting the labor camps. And there are threats of more economic sanctions if the matriarchy doesn't pay more attention to human rights. This is coming from China. I'm not sure what that means for us since uh, matriarchy or patriarchy, this is still America, and Aunt Samantha loves prophets as much as Uncle Sam ever did. I don't think they'll just kill all of us. You know just because they're not making a profit off of uh, all this gravel we're producing. Uh, Technically, the death penalty doesn't exist anymore. The matriarchy wants you to live and suffer for as long as possible. You don't get off easy because of death. Uh, But now I've... uh, I've got kind of a dilemma. Viaka, last time she took me to her office for punishment, um, she revealed a, a big plan for our future. She wants to divorce her husband and give me a glowing recommendation in my file for when I have my review with the parole board. And then I guess I'll be deemed sufficiently reeducated and sent to the male adoption center. And then Viaka will swoop in and take custody of me. She just has to save enough money for the adoption fees, which are pretty steep. If you want to go, ladies, if you want to go to the adoption center, the male adoption center, and take home your very own straight white male, be prepared to pay six figures to the state. Run on the matriarchy is not cheap, and re-educating millions of piece of shit white dudes is surprisingly expensive. But here's my dilemma. I don't want to leave the camp. I don't want to leave. I'm having a great time. Some of the other guards have noticed Viaka showing a particular interest in my re-education, and they're curious, so they've been finding excuses to punish me themselves. Sometimes... Two or three guards will punish me at the same time. And I don't know if it's the constant physical activity 
or the veggie burgers or never being allowed to come or the lack of social media, but I've never felt better in my life. There is no way I would have had the stamina to withstand all this punishment while suffering under the yoke of the patriarchy. I think I've become kind of a tantric guru. I have achieved total consciousness. I've basically become sting on mushrooms. And I'll always have a special place in my heart for Vyaka, you know, but she doesn't own me. I'm the property of the state and I still have a few rights left. How's it going to be when she takes out a second mortgage on her house to pay for my adoption fees and then within a year decides she's not getting her money's worth? How passive-aggressive is that dynamic going to be? With her constantly reminding me how she liberated me from imprisonment. That's no way to live. So I make a plan. I'm going to tank my parole hearing. When I'm in front of the parole board, I'm just going to start spouting off like Nazi eugenicist propaganda, shit like a woman's place is in the kitchen, all that shit. That way I'll never have to leave the camp. But the day before my parole hearing, the Freedom for White Men political action group, which is at the top of the matriarchy's terrorist watch lip, storms the camp. This group is led by Candace Owens and her second-in-command, Hope Hicks. They storm the camp. Candace desperately wants to free her husband, George, who's in the camp with us. He's in the camp I'm at. But George and I hide in the laundry room together under a pile of dirty sheets because neither of us want to leave. We don't want to be liberated. A few men get dragged off with the rebels, but most refuse to leave. Trump tries to go with them, but Hope Hicks shoots him in the leg, so he can't follow. Candace Owens and Hope Hicks are both on the Female Bureau of Investigation's most wanted list for terrorism, insurrection, and collusion. Funnily enough, George, Candace Owens' husband, doesn't really seem put out by the whole situation. The whole white men in camps things. I think living with Candace kind of prepared him for this new world order. He's used he's used to having women in charge. Or maybe it's just his old, like, British stiff upper lip. I don't really talk to him much, but he seems all right. But every time I've had a few words with him, he keeps trying to recruit me into some, like, Jesus-themed book club. Which is basically a bunch of dudes trying to pray the gay away and failing. These book clubs culminate in a debauched gay orgy every week. And I can't tell if the warden knows about it and doesn't care. Or if George pays off the guards to keep their mouths shut. I would think using Candace Owens' husband as propaganda against her 
and against her resistant movement would be pretty effective, but I don't know. It's not my business. Although it is funny when Jesus people have British accents, you know. Have you accepted Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? <laughs> like, I don't expect that accent to talk about Jesus. Kills me every time. Interestingly enough, George is also a kingpin of sorts of a vibrant black market here in the camp. It's just mostly cigarettes and cannabis gummies and old school print pornography. Porn is a major currency here in the camp, more than cigarettes are, because there's no internet, there's no phones, no TV, definitely no Pornhub. So it's just all like old issues or even just pages torn out of Hustler and Penthouse from like the 90s. Uh, so I've kind of like, I've learned to appreciate a full bush on a woman again. Which, uh, maybe that's part of the matriarchy's plan. To get us all to find a natural woman attractive again. I'm not really a conspiracy guy, but they did manage to overthrow the patriarchy, so I wouldn't put it past them. Everything here in the camp is designed to fuck with our heads. But then again, all the guards who bring me to their office for personal punishment, they're all pretty shaved in wax, so... It might be just be, be a coincidence. Or maybe, like, a girl with a full bush is what George thinks all straight guys are into, so that's the only stuff he smuggles in. I don't want to give the matriarchy too much credit for being diabolical. Not because I support the patriarchy, but because, like, I'm a firm believer in Hanlon's razor, which states, never attribute to malice that which can be adequately explained by incompetence. And just like the patriarchy, the matriarchy displays no shortage of incompetence. We do manage to get some news from the outside. Trans women have technically been declared real women legally, but there are a lot of accusations of biological women blocking trans women from positions of power, and a lot of bio women suspect trans women of being chameleon men trying to reestablish the patriarchy. Also, a lot of talk about the trans get gender pay gap, because trans women on average are making about 70% what biological women make. And biological women argue that it evens out because trans women were paid more when they were men, and trans women are furious because they have always been women, whether or not they had a penis at the time. It sounds like a real mess out there. Also, since the matriarchy outlawed meat consumption, the U.S. has just become overrun with millions of feral cows, pigs, and chickens. Since domesticated animals are worthless now, farmers can't afford to feed the livestock, so they just open the gates and let them run free. Because originally the vegan lobby got Congress to put a moratorium on slaughtering animals. And the farmers were just expected to take care of these cows and pigs until they died of natural causes. But the farmers started going bankrupt. So as a silent protest, they just let them all free. 
Now in the U.S., death by mauling from feral pigs and cows is the third leading cause of death. Diabetes, still number one. And protein starvation, number two. But officially, these are all recorded as deaths from COVID-19 because COVID was created by the patriarchy and there can be no malnutrition in paradise. So the matriarchy can blame all the deaths on the patriarchy. It's kind of genius. Do I deserve to be here in the camp? Did I deserve this fate? Maybe. I've had plenty of time to do some soul searching. I think I've been pretty decent, you know, as far as men go. I've certainly been shitty to a few people, a couple women I've dated. Plenty have been shitty to me. If I deserve to be here for that, then I know a few women who should be here breaking rocks right next to me. But I don't hold any grudges. You know, there's plenty of shitty men inside the wire, plenty of shitty women outside the wire. I doubt one is more or less happy than the other right now. And I think the women in charge are going to find out pretty soon the power isn't all it's cracked up to be. Especially when you can't blame the men for your failures. As men, we blame each other when shit goes wrong. That's how, we've all, that's how we've always done it. And it works because there's never been a solidarity between men based on our gender or sex. A lot of women believe there is, but they're wrong. There are brotherhoods and fraternities among men, but they ultimately exist to compete with and dominate each other and other men. But there has never been a fraternity among all men. We love to fuck each other over and push each other aside and fuck each other's wives. Bros before hoes has never been a thing. That's a thing a motherfucker says to you so you don't suspect him of fucking your wife, which he definitely is doing. But the matriarchy is based on the shared ideal of sisterhood. It's based on all women in it together, which is as much of a lie as bros before hoes. Women fuck each other over all the time. They stab each other in the back all the time. The patriarchy has only existed for so long for one reason. Convenience. It is convenient for men to see to the running of civilization while women birth and nurse and raise children. That's it. The patriarchy didn't endure because men are stronger or smarter. It was just the path of least resistance. And there's no reason the matriarchy won't endure for the rest of time. Other than it's going to require a little more work to maintain. I think the matriarchy is going to require a few more plates spinning at the same time. And women are going to find out that the whole sisterhood narrative is weak fiction when blame for inevitable failure starts getting tossed around. But, as far as I'm concerned, not that my opinion counts for anything, but women are welcome to try. 
Go ahead and run the world. It's not like I was benefiting much from the patriarchy. I guess I I was a part of the patriarchy, but a cog in the machine doesn't get to share in the product of the machine. I was the machine. I didn't own the machine. Yeah. So go ahead, women. Run the world for all I care. Who needs the thankless headache of keeping civilization from collapsing on itself? You think breaking rocks all day is work? Try running the world. You're welcome to it. You think men really wanted to be in charge? We only did it because women were busy with a baby on each tit. We took charge for you so you could have things. So you could get your nails done. So go ahead. Have at it. Run the world. And if you fuck it up, we'll be fine. Men will always be fine. Worst comes to worst, we'll go back to hunting and fishing and jerking each other off. We don't really need you. And while I have no love for the patriarchy, I will say this in its favor. While men were running the world, it was also men who were breaking rocks. Now that women are running the world, I don't see many women breaking rocks. And I know why that is. Breaking rock looks hard. It looks menial. It looks inglorious and shabby compared to being a CEO. But you're wrong. Why did George Bush, when he was president, go to his ranch all the time in Texas and clear brush? Why does every millionaire and billionaire end up owning a ranch or a farm? Places where unsophisticated labor takes place. They do it because breaking rock isn't labor. Running the world is labor. Being a CEO is labor. Breaking rock isn't labor. It's liberation. Liberation. 